70s and early 80s, my brother and I were not the most enlightened souls in the world. Uh, we spent summer evenings chasing lightning bugs, or fireflies, if you tend to swing that way. We'd catch them in our bare hands and then chase each other around, and when one of us caught the other, we'd slap that lightning bug on the back or chest and smear it right down the whole length of the t-shirt. And for a few seconds, we'd glow like we were the lightning bugs. And then we'd do it again. Now, I'm not saying I'm proud of that, but it was something we did on summer evenings along with playing hide-and-seek under the street lamp until our parents yelled us home. And another thing we did whenever we found a cocoon or uh, a chrysalis, if you tend to swing that way, we'd squish it. We'd stomp on it or crush it in our fingers and watch that caterpillar goo ooze out. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm proud of that. It was a thoughtless act of childish cruelty. But what we didn't know at the time was just how special that goo was. When a caterpillar goes into that state, it completely breaks down, all the way down to its most basic components. It's a sticky, gooey soup with seemingly nothing of the uh, nothing of the caterpillar left to it and then that goo somehow builds itself back up again but into something entirely new something beautiful something that can do things that the caterpillar could only dream of so those are the stories that we're telling here stories of transformation our first story is told by me down the road you will hear other voices including that of my partner flora folgar my girlfriend my love it's funny there's no there's no good word for a romantic relationship that's not a marriage girlfriend doesn't seem serious enough but um yeah my partner flora she and I have been through transformations of our own, and we'll probably tell those stories down the road too. But today it's just me. And I gotta say, I'm really excited about this project. I'm learning all kinds of new things. Skills and processes, it never occurred to me that I would ever learn. I'm learning sound recording and editing. I'm learning interviewing. Uh, right now, I'm finishing editing my first interview. I'm whittling it down to a, a reasonable length. Next, I'm going to work on audio mixing. I'm working with a musician who's a bit of a perfectionist, for which I don't fault him at all, though perfectionist is not a word anyone has ever used to describe me. But um, yeah, I'm incredibly excited to be working on all this. There's no better state in which to live than in a state of learning, a state of growth. And since I'm so excited, I didn't want to wait until that first interview was ready for you. So here to get us started is me at a live storytelling event at the Austin Public Library. This event was an experiment that the library was conducting. They, um, they encouraged their employees to pursue independent projects. Uh, one of those employees, named Patrick Owen, created Adult Story Hour. 
the theme for this particular adult story hour was travel. And I took a chance and volunteered my own travel tale. So here it is, y'all. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Well, since we're here for storytelling about travel, I thought I should start by telling you all of my stories about travel are really, really boring. <laughs> I've taken my share of photos of the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace, <laughs> and I've strolled along the Seine from Le Tour d'Eiffel to La Musée d'Orsay, and I felt so worldly speaking in French in Paris to my hotel bartender. <laughs> um, I read a paperback on a fenced-in beach at a resort in Puerto Vallarta. And I went horseback riding on a very bored and slow-moving horse through the mountains. And I laughed at the jokes of the tour guide when we passed the local prison with the crowd of visitors outside waiting to see their loved ones. And he told us, we're so proud to have the most exclusive hotel in the region with people lined up for days waiting to get inside. <laughs> but these were all safe travels. They were all comfortable journeys. And I've come to a time in my life where I realize I don't want safe and comfortable to be the adjectives that I use to describe my life. I want to choose from a much broader vocabulary. Uh, I went camping for a week by myself not too long ago, and it rained the entire week, completely soaked everything I owned. Nothing went according to plan, and it was perfect. <laughs> I, uh, one of the mornings when the rain slowed down, I went kayaking on the lake, and I watched individual raindrops land on the surface of the lake and float there, and they sparkled jewels before they sank into the surface of the lake and disappeared. And I looked across the surface of the water and there were millions of them glittering. And that was just for me. There was nobody else there. And I saw a great blue heron and I got within about 10 feet of him and he and I looked at each other for a good long time before he finally took off. And when he did, a single blue feather drifted down to me. It was like a gift from him to me. And in that moment I realized I can have adventures. <laughs> when I was 14, my father and I took a trip to Belize. We were there for two weeks. It was not long after it had stopped being British Honduras. And now and then, when strangers would yell at us, go home, limeys, I noticed there were a lot of shades and colors of skin in Belize, and not a lot of them matched the shade and the color of my skin, and I realized I was the stranger. <laughs> and I remember we went hiking in the jungle to uh, an archaeological site. It was a Mayan pyramid that they were just reclaiming from the jungle that had covered it up for centuries. And we hiked there with uh, some Belizean kids, and all of a sudden they all whipped out their machetes and went dashing into the forest. And I thought, these are kids my age, and they have machetes. <laughs> and they'd seen a 10-foot constrictor going by. And with the joy and glee of childhood, they hacked it to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember 
climbing up the rocks in the jungle and leaping out into a bottomless blue hole and swimming out and climbing up and leaping again. And I remember World Cup football was going on at the time and the passion the people had for football. And it was such a different kind of football than my people had in Dallas. <laughs> and uh, I remember my first beer. It was a Belican beer with the Mayan temple on the label. And to this day, it's the greatest beer I've ever had because I've never tasted it again since. And it was infused with the taste of chicken neck stew from Corozal and the smell of the open canals in Belize City. And all the flavors of that completely new world that I'd never experienced before. And there's not one way to look at the world. There aren't a hundred ways to look at the world. There are seven and a half billion people in the world, and there's seven and a half billion ways to understand the world. And travel is the only way that's open to us to leap out into that bottomless diversity and experience those small joys and fears and pleasures and struggles that we all have in common and see the ways that all of those seven and a half billion people are truly family. And I think that's what the world really needs right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, y'all. I'm from Texas. I say y'all. I hope you're doing something out there in the world that you're enjoying as much as I'm enjoying this little project. It's just going to get better, and I'm just going to get better, and I hope y'all come along for the journey. My thanks to Flora for her encouragement and participation and love, always love. This episode was produced by me. And I made the music on foundation.com. Hopefully by next time, someone with a little more musical ability than I have will be helping me out with that part of it. Until next time, see you out there swimming in the goo.